You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 8, episode 27. Uh, it's the two Johns on as pair, uh, but we've got our... Another special oh, guest, special well, guest. yeah, a special guest because it's your first appearance. first appearance. Aldo, how you doing? I'm alright, how are you? I'm great, I'm, great. I'm just about recovered from Saturday, um, so yeah. Not the best result, was it? Oh, well, I've got our team, which we'll come on to, uh, all the juniors, so well, you know who team that'll be then, yes. uh, Yourself, you're a Kelly fan here? Yes, I am, for my sins. Shall we get the Greg Stewart thing out of the way straight away then? Let's get it out the roads so I don't need to talk about it. Right. Is there a bad smell at Rugby Park? Or... <laughs> That's Celtic Park. Good to see John. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I have not got a, I've, I've not got a clue what uh, what Steve was talking about, to be honest. It did seem a little bit strange to recall him and then, then to loan him out. Um I did have every thought that he was going to be sold this window, which made which made sense. From to go back out, from what I've heard, Kilmarnock matched what uh, Aberdeen had offered in terms of loan arrangements. So I'm a little bit miffed, to be honest, why Greg's gone back to Aberdeen after the, the first spell there. But I'm not sure what he means, because he was quite clear in saying it's nothing to do with the player, um, which has confused me even more. Um so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the the bad smell is he's he's talking about. To be honest, it's a bit of a weird one. If like both clubs have offered the same, because my my first thought when I'd seen that we'd gotten back, I'd heard the talk about it earlier last week, was that we must have paid maybe a, a higher loan fee or we contributed more to the wages. But then Steve Clark's trying to suggest that no, it was all the same. I, I don't know. Well, the first the first thing he said actually was that he was only interested in players that wanted to play for the club, and that indicated to me that you know Greg Stewart had just made the decision himself. So that's why I'm a little bit surprised where he had said there's a bad smell about this and it's nothing to do with the player. That's really really confused me. Um, yeah. yeah. Had it just been a case of Greg Stewart deciding to go elsewhere, I'm not sure where that comment would have came from about the bad smell and it's nothing that you know that's not the player or whatever. So I'm I'm a little bit miffed. Yeah. Yeah. It is a bit of a weird one. I mean. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. If I was um, a command up in this position, I wouldn't be very happy about the way it's all come out. I mean, obviously from our point of view, I'm pleased to have him back, um, especially with the form he's been in, because I still maintain that a combination of a lack of match fitness before he joined us and being played in the wrong position didn't help him. And I also thought that he was too often put out the team after one bad game. Um, whereas command up showed if you play him in his right position, play him regularly, he will contribute more. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, we named him in the our team of the first half of the season. Um, but, yeah, I'd be pretty annoyed if I was a Kilmarnock fan because we remember when Danny Ward was taken back from um, from us from Liverpool and Liverpool never played him. Yeah. Slightly different circumstances because he stayed there, didn't go jump ship to another club. My only thoughts on are, have we already arranged a pre-contract agreement? Well, I think almost certainly. Well, it's weird because... 
Derek McKinnon said that um, there was nothing in place regarding a pre-contract. He was in the papers saying that um, Greg and his agent wanted to keep their options open until January when they potentially had a you know, an opportunity to explore all options. My initial thought was that that he's been told that if you sign with us, we'll sign you in a pre-contract, we'll give you four grand a week, where Kilmarnock were talking maybe three grand, probably us pushing the boat out, to be honest. Um, And that was my initial thought about it, but it just, everything about it just seemed really, really odd. And I take your point you made there about playing him in his correct position. The difference is, as I was trying to say in my cryptic whatsapps the other day to you John because I was hurting, I was hurting. Um, to be honest I, the thing is with, with the way McInnes plays or the way he was playing sorry with, with Kilmarnock we play you know the two sitting midfielders in Dicker and Power, we've got Jones on one side, Burke on the other um, everything went through Greg Stewart the whole team was catered for Greg Stewart in that almost free role behind Brophy and I don't think it's as straightforward as saying I'm going to move him out from the right wing and put him up top and everything's going to be fine. A lot of time at Kilmarnock, he does drift over to the right-hand side anyway, but it was about the other players that were round about him and the style and the way that Kilmarnock sit in and frustrate teams and things. It actually was just perfectly suited for him. Um, And I'm not sure sticking him up front with Cosgrove with two bangers either side, I'm not sure you're going to see the best of them. That's that's just my opinion. I don't think he's... About that as well, because... For all Stevie May gets criticised for the lack of goals, it's his work rate and movement and everything like that that is actually playing it. probably helped by out the best in Cosgrove recently. Yeah, Greg Stewart's not going to do the same, I don't think. Though I'm, I'm glad he's back, he's a great option to have, but I'd have been, I would have stuck with me and Cosgrove up front on Saturday against Dylan Smith. The partnership was going well. Yeah, and, and to be fair, unlucky, Stuart, he had a cracker a shot off the bar and, and, and almost scored. But Stevie May, as you said, any time I've seen him, he's a handful. You know, he, he gives that other option of being able to run in behind um, a lot bit quicker than, say, Greg Stewart and Cosgrove, who are not the most mobile guys in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. I can, I can see it, you know, the, the three of them kind of switching quite regularly. And I do think in a few occasions, Greg Stewart will be put out in that right-hand side again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I will say is that when he was at Dundee, he was mainly playing the right-hand side and he, he got a lot of joy, but he is more effective in that um, roll off the front. I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily playing straight or straight as a um, a second strike. I think he is going to be almost like a number ten. Um, but well, I hope that doesn't affect Cosgrove's game too much because he certainly benefited from a four four two. Whereas allegedly on Saturday he was um, pretty anonymous. Certainly when I saw the highlights in sports, he had never heard his name mentioned once. But um, you can almost spare him that because he has done pretty well recently. Um, I think there was more to it as well. I think Mackay Stephen maybe getting himself back into maybe, I don't know, playing and obviously took a bad knock, which must have knocked his confidence as well. So I, 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 I'm always, I always think that if your team's going well, you keep with a winning team. I know it's been the break and I know it's maybe a lower league opposition so you maybe wanted to bring in a couple of players. I just, I just think if a team's playing well, it's up to the players that have been out to earn their, team, earn their way back into the team. Yeah, that's that's something um, you know give Clark a lot of credit for. Any time we've had a player come back, the guy who's in possession of the jersey 
um, is out the team essentially until such times as as we lose, which hasn't been too regularly under him. Um, yeah, I'd be quite I'd be quite agitated if I was Stevie May um, and I wasn't selected for that game, especially with the result. If you win four five nil, Greg Stewart grabs a couple of goals and nobody's talking about it. But yeah, yeah, um, it's just the way it's worked out. Yeah, Good news as well, Matt's low returning as well, and he scored. That's a superb. Yeah. I thought he was very, very impressive um, any time I've seen him. Um, it's an odd one as well, recalling him and then, and then kind of getting him back, but I think he looks I think he looks a smashing player and destined certainly to play in a higher league than the, than the Scottish one. Yeah, I think Derby do rate him because they brought him back, put him straight in the team for the the two cup games against Southampton and played him against Leeds at Elland Road. Um, but I don't know if he did particularly great. But also it became apparent they were going to sign Ashley Cole and thought it was best that Lowe stayed back at Aberdeen. Well, that was the only option he could have had, having played for Derby. He could only go back mm-hmm. in Aberdeen yeah. or wait for his chance at um, Derby again. Um, so it certainly was a benefit to... A nice bonus to get him back because we were designed to not having him, and he's one of the few players this season who's managed to tame James Forrest. So it's a, um, it's certainly good to have him back, and he took his goal well. Unfortunately, apart from the Stuart effort off the bar and a couple of little half chances, we didn't create much. It just wasn't a good performance. And credit to Stennis Muir, they took the one big chance they got and and got themselves a, a replay. And um, good header. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. Good header, actually. From Very good header, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, last Friday, I was talking to a guy who's involved with Rangers coaching. He coaches the women's, the, the girls' teams. And he, he was actually talking about the boy McGuigan because I think he knows him. Uh, and saying, I, oh, he's busting for playing up at Aberdeen and all that type of thing. And then, yeah, he went and scored. Mm-hmm. It was a super header, but it was just, again, it was maybe that little bit overplaying. Was it Ferguson was playing the ball yeah. wide? And yeah. The pass was a good three or four yards short, probably. It was just a, a culmination of things, but the header was, was superb, um, getting yeah. it in front of McKenna. So, uh, they done they done reasonably well. I think a lot of the this, the kind of lower league clubs did did reasonably well. Aye, well, it's interesting. Uh, in the week that obviously Aberdeen played Stenhouse Muir, I was at a thing on Thursday, the, the BBC Sports Sound Live at, at Oakland Talbot Social Club. And Billy Dodge was there, and he was talking about how his worst memory in football was that game at Stenhouse Muir in 95. Mm-hmm. When they lost, they just said we turned up and just straight away the attitude wasn't right. Um, I, I think I read something about that. Uh, it might be in the BBC site, and it was yeah. saying that the gaffer just came in and said to them congratulations and been involved in the, the worst result in the team's history or something, and yep. they just yep. walked back out. Uh, Aye, yep. Yeah. That's what he was talking about. Uh, <laughs> Aye, and he said on the flip side, his best uh, memory was the 4 0 game, Jim Lenton's last game. But aye, so uh, it was a big week. We obviously had uh, Sean McElroy on last week that plays for Rockin' Like Talbot um, on the podcast. Well, I've heard some good feedback because it's funny. Folk were talking about the podcast and then didn't realise it was, I was one of the, the team. That uh, was the podcast, so that was quite interesting. Thanks for saying good things and no bad things. <laughs> <laughs> it's a change for the usual feedback we get, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that that panel on uh, Thursday at the at Beachwood, it was good. Ian McCall, I've never actually had much time for him before. I've always thought it was a bit 
uh, came across a bit arrogant, but actually came across really well. James Grady was a good laugh. Are, uh, you, are you trying to antagonise me here? We've got Greg Stewart, <laughs> we're going to talk about Jordan Jones, now you're talking about Ian McCall and James Grady. Well, this is, moment, this is the moment that this guy gets closed. <laughs> Julie Fleet was on. Julie Fleet was oh, on. She's really good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Billy Dodds. Um, but I was really good chicken as well. To be fair to the BBC, they have managed to capture the Scottish Cup and the demands of it, and perfectly. Um, even having the sports sound live on Thursday from Beachwood as well, it was fantastic. There's a good bit of banning as well. Um, you're listening on Saturday as well if he's watched the game as well. Stephen Thompson go down to social club because he get a bit of criticism because um, he didn't really know much about the juniors. But to be fair play to me, he kind of took it quite well. Yeah. What a week! I mean, we obviously we I think last week. I think there's a lot of people, fans that thought I ah, could do it. Don't know well, maybe a bit more than hope than expectation. Or I tell you what, though, the bookies are clean out because pretty much everyone I spoke to on Saturday had money on them apart from me. Um, like 14 to 1 and all sorts of 1 0. Even the wife bloody had money on them. Um, I could have done my money on them with the money I spent on Saturday celebrating the result. Because I was out all day recently. Um, I've seen Sean after the game. I've uh, seen quite a few of the players because they've been all out in the pubs and that. But the, the game itself, that is what the cup's all about. Um, stuff that dreams are made of. It was such a great atmosphere it was a nervy occasion I think the Air fans were nervous because they didn't want to lose to a junior side it's a bit um, big crowd but you're, you've got the nerves there because it's such an occasion um, and I Air had all the better to play but actually saying that for all the shots that they had Andy Leithman wasn't really tested that much, whereas probably we had the better chances, and there was a goal ruled for offside, which was correctly offside. I was in line with that, so I knew straight away um, it was off, but just fantastic. And now, I mean, I've said for ages on the podcast, and John will probably be sick of hearing listen to me, but now folk know that the standard is a lot better than what maybe we're given credit for. Well, if, if you're playing junior football, top-end junior football, it's definitely better than the second division in Scotland. There's, there's no doubt that it's that it's better at that level. Um, I think junior football. I think the only reason that clubs like uh, Talbot and that haven't, you know, investigated joining the professional league is it's just not worthwhile for them. You know, yeah. as well being the uh, the big fish rather than going in and you know you're playing against Queens Park or, or whatever else, maybe getting up the divisions. It's a risk that that you're maybe not wanting to take but Aye. certainly a good junior team I would always back against against sides and the, the lower kind of professional element because I've known a lot of players that have played in the second division and things and they're not very good not very good yeah. at all so um, I mean we've got players for example Jamie Glasgow uh, who was one of the standouts <coughs> on Saturday that's who we named in the team of the week Rob McLean uh, Back to your Craig McCracken, a goal scorer, Gordon Pope, and then Jimmy Glasgow. Jimmy Glasgow's played League Two, he's played the Lone League, and he's played for Talbot. And he says, certainly out of the, be- out the three leagues, the juniors, the, the top division of juniors is the best that he's played in. Mm-hmm. Out of them all. Um, and maybe at times, I it's, it's uh, a bit different in terms of the style of football that's played. Uh, to be fair, on Saturday, it was very different to what Talbot normally played because. You, were, you knew Air were going to have more on the ball, so Talbot adapted a formation. Cause we were talking last week about how it's always 4-4-2, always 4-4-2, but 
you obviously recognise that yeah, maybe midfield you need to have an extra man in there. And yeah. The tactics were spot on. It reminded me a wee bit though they, they did it better um, of how Aberdeen played against Celtic. Where you just let the defenders have the ball and then press the rest of the team. Because it just forces defenders to go alone. Yeah. Yeah, they they got their tactics very much spot on. I mean, they had a couple of little chances. The one with Moore putting over the bar in the second half was a big chance for them. But uh, there's debates as to whether they should have a two penalties. I think the first one was probably one that okay, like got away with. The second one was not a penalty in a million years. But Ian McCall, to be fair, didn't use that as an excuse. Yep. He said the better team won the day, and um, that was a good little header, I know he's, he's free but um, you've got to take advantage of that and guide it in the corner and he did it well and yeah, what a day for Rockin' Lake indeed What's the deal with Shankland? Why was he not? And just and jobs, uh, on Thursday oh, on Thursday it's, Thursday it's brought sound, uh, McCall would say they were all fit, they were all going to play but supposedly Shankland pulled up in training on Friday right. um, and, he, and he had, McCall did say again at that sports sound thing players are not going this month he did say that there's a few probably that are going to end of the season um, so kind of pre-contract so probably watch this space in terms of maybe what happens there but he yeah. actually was more inclined in terms of saying he wants to get one or two in I'd, I'd love to from a personal point of view I'd love to see Ayr get promoted which is probably against everything that a Kilmarnock fan should be saying but if they could hold on to Shanklin's uh, and get up I'd love to be looking at the fixture list for next season and having three or four games to be looking for I definitely I definitely <laughs> and probably then you know you've got four wins well, I guess that. Um, but I mean, air itself, I, there was a few players. I don't know if it was all right, but you certainly didn't see a golfing quality there. Um, they, they probably were a bit better in the ball. The more the game went on, the more you believed. Um, and then, actually, if anything, it was Talbot that went for it in terms of bringing the players on. Sure, I was I was sitting thinking, oh no, we've had Sean on the podcast last week. He's on the bench. Is he going to get on? He gets on. Actually, to begin with, I thought it was him that scored because I was at the other end of the ground, and I thought, oh, brilliant. Uh, I was brilliant anyway. I was happy, but um, mm-hmm. it turned out to be cracking. And then appeared the, the junior cup where Shanklin set him up. Shanklin's second touch the free kick um, as well. Just. That team now goes down in history. Uh, they already in history in terms of the junior success, but to be qualifying for the fifth round of the, the senior Scottish Cup, I mean, the likes are Motherwell and teams in the Premier League, Premiership would like to be there. Absolutely. And the story as well, again, of they go back to Tinkas after what happened in uh, 2012. Yeah. Does this count as uh, Mocking Light's most profitable season from a financial point of view? Now, they've got this far and they're going to get hearts again. Um, well, do I? Because, I mean. That'll be a good crowd over, certainly about 15,000 minimum, I would have thought. Maybe a wee bit less. I think last time there was about 9,000. I think there'll be a wee bit more maybe this time. Depends on when the game's played as well, because the rugby's that weekend at Murrayfield. So the talk is whether it gets played Friday night, whether it gets played Sunday. Again, oh, and Hibs have been drawn at home as well. Whether it maybe gets picked for TV again, I think. I know it's just been biased, I think. But you've, you've got to have it on TV. That's, that, that's the type of thing, games you went on. Okay, I mean, it might end up hearts, maybe. It's got to be, it's got to be Rangers at Rugby Park. Aye, it'll be on. It'll it definitely has, be on. It has to be, just because of yeah. the where the clubs are in the, the league and... 
and whatever else. But um, I was quite, I was pleased to see that they did have the Ockley Care game on. To be honest, I was I was really pleased to see that they put it on TV um, because to me that was the tie of the round. Regardless of the yeah. all Premier League ties or things, that had to be the tie of the round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, it was it was just a magical occasion. It's what Cup football's all about. Uh, I mean, the scenes at the end as well with players, fans yeah. celebrating together, and then that carried on long into the night. Trust me, because my wife <laughs> my wife tells me I get at half three on Sunday morning. Uh, so yeah. Nice. I, I don't well know how, how that was the case because, because as far as I'm aware, there's no pubs open to that time, so who knows where I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, aye, that's fantastic, and it, it's no often you can get to, to celebrate with the players in the pubs afterwards. Um, but did the whole tour of all the pubs. Um, I've seen Sean, and funny enough, I'd bought one of the commemorative tops, and so they were selling tops to raise money and that, and get some money, and it turned out I got his top, so I'll get him to sign it, um, and I would imagine he wanted maybe either him or um, one of the other players would maybe go on the weekend of Hearts game as well, because there was certainly a few keen for it, they were sending to listen to it as well, so, uh, and, and Tommy Sloan needs, deserves all the credit again, because tactics spot on the success he's had he's a genius yeah there's many a many a team in the sorry maybe league one or league two i would love to have him as manager but wouldn't happen when you see some of the names that are kicking about that are linked with jobs I've often wondered why we don't see more managers stepping up from junior or more players stepping up from top junior clubs to to go and play with the other clubs. I remember years ago, Kilmarnock signed Tom Brown from the junior game. I think it was Tommy Burns actually signed him. Some of the guys you could pick up going back 20 years ago or something, they were absolutely brilliant, some of them. Yeah, well, McCall touched on the fact that probably his two best signings he's ever made have been Chris Doolan, who came from Talbot uh, when he went to Party Thistle, and Chris Erskine, who went from Bonnie to Party Thistle. Yeah. And both of these players obviously went on and played in the, the Premiership. That makes sense. Yeah. It just shows that there is talent in, in that league as it's been touched on, um, and sometimes it's it's worth a gamble just going down the lower leagues. I mean, it's I don't see top, um, many top five sides going down that road um, for a while. Whether that's short sightedness or not, it's another thing. But um, part, part of it comes yeah. down to these guys would have to give up their jobs yeah. and yeah, to take the risk. I mean, there was talk at the when Talbot played Hearts the last time. There was talk that they were after Andalich and the keeper, but then he'd have been going there, probably known that realistically and maybe be number two or, and then would he get kept on and then it was a job and then maybe have to try and get a job again it's really difficult and these players have had that much success won that many trophies they get to stay local if they get families they don't have to travel and basically you know, maybe see their, their kids on a, a Saturday like Willie Lyle touched upon that he's a captain he got to an age whereby he was travelling he was playing for Stenhouse Muir and was like his wife had a baby it's like this isn't life. You want to see your, your family. I'm wondering if the best thing to do. I know Celtic have a, um, you know, they've got a link with St Ninian's High School over in Kirkintilloch, and I know Kilmarnock's looking to do something similar for for younger players. Essentially, 
you're schooling these guys together. They're maybe dropping subjects like, you know, home ec and getting nutrition or whatever. But I also think that it would be good to see them actually form some links with the junior clubs in the area. Um, send some of the younger players. I know we sent uh, quite a few of our youth players out to the junior leagues. That will certainly toughen them up in there, sir. Um, yeah, Air, Air have done it. The call yeah. talked about it. He's, he's sent quite a few out. I think some clubs do, but... It, I'm just from the point of view that, say, for instance, there's a guy playing these 18, 19s, playing junior football with Auchin Lake. He's a joiner and he doesn't want to give something up. Having that option of essentially going to, to Rugby Park or Somerset Park for a couple of weeks, training with the guys to see if he's got what it takes to make the step up, would almost, you know, it could actually help these guys to make the decision if they're going to be getting a deal at the end of it. If it doesn't work yeah. out, if they're not good enough, it's just, you know, business as usual. Yeah, that's a good idea. It would need to be the, the actual youth teams as opposed to the actual junior, because most of them are in their 20s and stuff like that. But yeah, certainly kind of down the league. But then, um, to have one of the kind of junior teams that's got a kind of community, like one of the community clubs, so they actually... The whole set up from the junior the junior team uh, right down to all the youth teams are all affiliated together. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to keep players and bring them up through their own system. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely an area probably teams look at. I think they do. I mean, we actually were speaking about this on, on Saturday in terms of with some fans, it, it, like whether it was Cali fans or their fans, and. and a lot of the senior clubs just hoover up young players and don't let them play for any other clubs. And realistically, how many of them make it playing professional? The senior football. They can't even play for their schools. In Kilmarnock, just now you've got the Grange. Um, and then Kilmarnock Academy is going to start being, doing performance school stuff as well. It's all very good. I think it, it, it's got its benefits because I do think we're going to see probably the benefits in terms of players are getting coached more and they're spending more time as opposed to maybe doing subjects they're no interested in. But there's other areas whereby um, players can come from. There's maybe not as much in terms of just, I mean, you probably see it yourselves, we all see it. I think we're all roughly similar age. You were out on the street, you're out on the bloody road playing football. And I know that I'm saying I'm advocating it, but a lot of these old players talk about how the fact they, they learned and they were playing on the street jumpers for goalposts. They weren't maybe playing at parks, they were playing in schemes or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's no coincidence that some of the best Brazilian teams and things, it was people that had, you know, that were grown up in poverty, essentially. So they were running mm-hmm. about the streets playing with an orange or a, you know, socks rolled up into a ball or whatever. Um, it's just this kind of culture that we've got over here now. My wee boy just sits playing FIFA on the Xbox. That's it. And very rarely does he venture out to play football. He loves playing football. Nobody's want to go out, they just want to sit and vegetate yeah. in front of a telly. I know, if it's raining then kids don't want out now. It's like, I didn't care what weather it was, you'd be out. And Manella is this one in, in Scotland, uh, obviously coming from Columbia, there's been talk about how where he grew up and that it was, you may be a path, and this maybe sounds maybe extreme, but your path either maybe crime or football. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Aye. The, the thing is, there's got to be more accessibility for, um, for kids to play football. I mean, it's all about having all these 3G, uh, 3G and 4G pitches all across the country, but it's no good if you're asking people, um, kids to be charged to go play on them. Um, you know, there's some there's some places like Broadwood where I play. Uh, sometimes kids do go go on and play if the part's free, um, and nobody no one bothers. But a lot of places say you can't go on unless you pay your 
um, £40 an hour for the higher the pitch and yeah. kids obviously can't afford that every, uh, see, every day they do it down at the Palace Sports Grounds in Hamilton uh, the kids for the school they finish at Hamilton Grammar at I think it's half twelve and they go down there and they only charge the kids a pound and they go on and they've got access to the park um, which isn't too bad but Again, there's, as you said, you need, it needs to be accessible. Um, I mean, even round us way at Auckland Lake, you've got public parks and there's not even really folk playing in them. There's a cage. It's, it's a, one of the cages whereby it's like accessible to everyone and you sometimes see folk playing there, but actually the parks themselves, you rarely see people playing on them unless it's an actual organised youth game. Um, there's another thing. I know indoor facilities are great because it means then you can play on them at any point, but... The, the other the other thing to consider as well is, I think it was years ago I watched a, a programme about Dutch football, I can't remember if it was Ajax or something, and they spoke about taking these kids from a young age and they don't give them a position, you know, the yeah, kids, yeah, yeah. they're telling, they, they essentially grade them and after a spell they go, right, you're really good at shooting, so we're going to make you a striker, your range of passing's good, you're a midfielder, and they, and they kind of... You know, school them so that they're good. They're good at everything, but essentially you, you pick up. But one of the things I've got a problem with, I remember it years and years ago, when you're playing at primary school football and then you're into secondary school, and you're tiny wee guys. I mean, I'm not the tallest now anyway, but I was even tinier back then. And you're playing in an eleven-a-side park with big, massive, massive goals, and I never understood why there wasn't yeah. something to allow the kids to. If you've got 22 kids in a park that size, they just run a bit chasing them. Something that actually allows them to play in smaller spaces and shooting into goalkeepers who can essentially stop the ball would be a really good start, I think. Ah, yeah, it's interesting you say that. There's a guy that I knew that um, well, he still does a bit of youth, co- a fair bit of youth coaching, and he actually set up a petition, uh, time to play nines, whereby he petitioned it at Hamden. Uh, he, got loads of, he got thousands of signatures and he took it to Hamden and tried to say, look, what you're, what you're saying about the the gap between playing sevens and elevens is massive. Yeah. And you've got kids maybe are like not even five foot yet, and yet they're shooting into goals. If you've got a good shot on you, you can shoot it high, pretty much you'll score. Uh-huh. And at the time, I can't remember who was, I'm trying who was the, in charge of the, the kind of youth organ. It might have been Vought, uh, Mark Porter, possibly. Um, but I don't think he was in the meeting. It was other folk and they just dismissed it totally. Whereas it happens in England, the playing lines, it happens in countries in Europe, the playing lines, there's this transition period. And yeah, I mean, definitely, the goals are far too big. You would go to games and it would just be bad to watch. Does the keepers get no chance? No, it does not. Hiding to nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, speaking about hiding to nothing, uh, Jordan Jones, big week for him coming up against his um, future employers so soon after um, announcing he's going to go. Um, I thought Steve Clark handled that very well by getting him out in front of the media straight away to try and nip it in the bud. Um, was there a lot? Was there any boon on Saturday, Alan? You were obviously at the game. There was. Element to be honest with Jordan Jones has been every week, um, even before he signed the pre contract. Uh, I mean, I'd, I was my intention was to boo, you know, to boo him every time he touches the ball from here until he finishes. When Clark came out and said about if you boo him, if I select him, you're booing me, 
Um, I just think Steve Clark's the second coming, to be honest. So t- when he tells me not to boo, <laughs> that's that's it. I'm not going to boo. Um, but there was um, when he was going off the park, they were singing "If You Hate the," you know, the Rangers. Not going into the specific words, but uh, you know, clap your hands or whatever else. I can't see him playing on Wednesday night. I'd be astounded if he was if he was playing. Um, I think they'll probably stick with Injoli out on the left hand side. Um, and and I, I don't even know where Jordan Jones' head would be at if you're playing against your your future employers or whatever else. It's not it's not ideal for him either. I don't wish anything bad on him. He's been a he's been a reasonable player um, over the past you know three years or so. The only time that I turned on him was after his tweet. When they put, you know, the we are the people thing at the bottom of it, there was there was just no need for it. Um, and contrast that with Kamara, who on the same day, I don't think Kamara's put anything up in his on his Twitter or anything along those lines. Um, and Jones was out the night. You got to remember this was the night of the 150th club anniversary, and he was out Snapchatting and in pubs mm-hmm. and singing all kinds of Rangers songs and things. And that's the part that's that sticks in the throat. Um, not the fact yeah. that he signed a pre-contract. Fair play, you know he's a, a he's an internationalist now. He's deserves a move, um, but that's the part that that sticks in the throat. Yeah, see, just going back to you're talking about Injoli. I remember at the start of the season, Injoli was like a right good find. He might be the one that benefits out of Stuart leaving. Um, I think Kil- no? I th- no, I'm, I think probably Kilty. Um, Kilty's been really unfortunate where he's had right two really, really bad injuries and then he's came back and he, again, as we were talking about earlier about with McInnes, um, maybe the, the difference there about changing a, a win inside because the club has been doing so well Kilty's found his uh, you know his options have been limited but Kilty is actually the kind of player where you know very similar to, to Greg Stewart but he does play in that number number 10 role he's not the quickest but he's very good on the ball he can make things happen and if we don't sign anyone um, I think we really need to sign a striker but if we don't sign anyone then I would imagine that, that Kilty uh, will be the one there Jordan Jones I'd imagine will play most weeks but against Rangers it has to be in Jolie yeah, Go all I mean, the round as well with Finlay Yeah I took it well <laughs> Understatement Oh it was a belter an absolute belter but uh, yeah it was he's got a form for that though he's had a good you know what he's had a few other goals as you know he, he goes in these marauding runs out of defence and he reminds me a bit of like uh, a white Mo Suzoko remember Suzoko that played for Kelly he was prone to picking the ball up at centre half and just running with it and just kind of going past people um, but it that was it was an absolute cracker I can't think of a better goal Um and the ties or any, any of the round there. I can't think of one that was that was better than that. Um, but please just to get through, to be honest, that's all you're looking for. Yeah, it's a professional job. I mean, there was a wee scare where um, I think it was a shot came across goal and the Jamie McDonald back in the team um, made a save. And um, But then you ride that out and then go finish off at the other end. It was just a case of, you know, when you face a lower division side at home, it's it doesn't 
um, it's just about getting through. It doesn't matter if you win five nil or not. It's it's one of those wins where no matter how much you win by, the another person will say, "Well, we should have won by more." Yeah. Um, the yeah. most important thing is you you got through, and obviously other teams struggled in home times, namely ourselves. And you know, Motherwell got um, knocked out the cup at home um, in Ross County. So um, yeah, well done to come Samarin, we're very fortunate at home. Yeah, um, I've got a, a, a my niece's husband. He's a Motherwell season ticket holder, and we were on Saturday night. We had the family over at the house, and I was asking him about the game, and he said it was it was absolutely atrocious. Motherwell, he said they they put McCormack up top, and he said and all they done was played long balls, bypass the midfield, and just aim you know seventy yard long balls towards McCormack. And was, said it was just completely pointless um, I think he actually went off at half time or, or just after half time because of fitness or, or whatever so that's been a bit of a gamble as well getting rid of you know with Bowman's going etc um, bringing in a guy who can't last 45 minutes is a bit of a concern yeah, yeah. You, you guys obviously both stay up that neck of the woods um, and I think up until maybe recently Robinson was not quite couldn't do any wrong because I think the league obviously last season they didn't do too well but by all accounts now I think some fans are maybe turning on him and think well, maybe there's time for a change well you see, see when you say that actually um, I'd, he'd said to me we'd, we were talking about the, the football and I was telling him about he was asking about you know Jones and Stewart and I'd said that under any other circumstances if I didn't have Steve Clark managing my team I'd be really worried but I've just got this belief that Steve Clark will always be able to find a way and he said to me that he used to feel that way about Motherwell last season. He always felt that it was always going to be fine. Robinson, he was always going to, um, you know, be able to do that for Motherwell. But he does say now that he's, he says that Guy doesn't even know what his best formation is or his best team. Um, and he's concerned. Not that, not that they'll get relegated. He thinks they'll, they'll avoid relegation. But he was genuinely concerned about a manager who doesn't even know what his best team is. Yeah, I think they've been caught out a wee bit this season. Last year, um, they cut every other team out with the long ball tactics and you no, know, they're battling, they're battling qualities and obviously it was effective for them, especially in the cup ties. Um, and they were a wee bit unlucky not to get into the top six, but this season they've been caught because other teams have learned how to play them and um, you know they've managed to find a way to get success. And Ross County are the type of team that can match that physicality. And it wasn't, I mean. It, it it does technical does go down as a shock because Ross County are a league below, but it wasn't that big a shock because Motherwell have been stop start all season. Ross County have been going fairly well, and it was a a good result. And you mentioned St Mirren. Got to give credit to to them because they were two down with ten men, and you think against a side that was been playing pretty well this this um, last few weeks, but. They managed to dig it out and they never thought some man had that kind of battling qualities in them and they'll need that for much stiffer challenges in the league, obviously. But it could yeah. be the sort of result that kick-starts their season. Well, there's a moment that uh, I think Alo or two went up and then they hit the post. And that, if that goes in, the game's over. But yeah. fair play to St Mirren, resilience. I still think Kearney's doing fairly well in there. Obviously, Tandy's come in. They've got McAllister back on loan who went down south. That, that's the type of result that gets your season going because it gives the players that wee bit of belief that hey yeah we can come back it's not just uh, it's not all doom and gloom whereas 
I still think Dundee. Dundee. I don't know what's happening there. Dundee were very lucky from what I saw in the highlights um, to get away with a draw uh, against Queen South. Queen South certainly had the the best of chances, um, and they've just got to hope that they see them off at home and haven't wasted their chance uh, at beating Dundee at, at Dens Park there. So, so who do you guys think is is the team that's or the teams that are going to make up the the bottom two? Because I'm just looking at the table here. Um, you know, Dundee in ten, St Mirren twelve, Hamilton fourteen. Then you're you're jumping up seven points to Motherwell. Yeah. And I'm to, I've always felt that Dundee have a squad good enough not to be involved in that in those uh, bottom two spots. I don't see enough of. I don't see anything in St Mirren. I, I really, really don't. I, I don't. I don't particularly think this guy's done a good job. Um, I'm the other way around. I think it's a, I think St Mirren. I've got a bit more about them than Dundee. I, I just I don't know. I just can't see any positives for Dundee. Apart from the fact maybe McIntyre's brought in Curran that he knows well and other. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I think what sums up Dundee's luck is that um, they brought in Andrew Davis. He um, <laughs> broke his foot in training straight away. Um, <laughs> looks I, as though he's out for the season. I've seen, um, I seen a tweet about that. The guy, it was football manager, tweeted at um, SI Games and said, you know, they had the article link in there and said that that's when you you restart your game or something. You don't hit save. You just <laughs> quit to main screen and load the game back up again. Um, I mean, what luck. That's just unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? I know, but I think, um, like you, Alan, I think they've got a manager in there um, who he knows what it's like to get a team out of relegation trouble like he did with Ross County. And we always said when he gets to January, that's when you judge him and, um, and how his signings work out. So I think they'll do enough to stay up. Whether they'll do enough to be out the bottom two is another thing, another thing because Hamilton, although they always they can be horrendous one week, but they always pull a result out for nowhere when you least expect it. I know in our luck it'll happen on Wednesday again when we play them at New Douglas Park, having them being so bad against St John's in the Cup at the weekend. And maybe Tony Andrew will give them that little bit of spark that'll keep them up as well. Good signing. Mm-hmm. If he's match fit, yeah, it's a good signing. And then obviously St John's have got a howler on back. That gives them really good options up top. Yeah. Walt, Kennedy, Kane, Kane, Hans, 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 his, the last game I remember Sean to play Aberdeen, he gets sent off in the League Cup uh, quarter-final against Motherwell um, after about five or ten minutes and we, we won the game 2-0 but he never really played much again, went to St Johnson, they played him at centre-half, made him his captain, he's been superb for them. So um, so, so once again it relies on other managers in the league to show Derek McInnes how to set his team up, <laughs> is that what we're saying? Or just, is that correct? <laughs> you're fitting fit in well straight away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm only asking the question that's all I'm just asking the question I'm not implying that's fair enough. fair enough yeah with your spoon in your hand in a mixing bowl <laughs> the, the, the talk is as well though a lot of obviously St Johnson fans will tell you that um, Kerr's the one that really folks should be trying to sign I suppose if McKenna was to go and Aberdeen had a bit of money then maybe Kerr would be an option but Halkett's getting linked as well at Lurie yeah 
in a pre-contract with Aberdeen. I think he'd be yeah. a good signing. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I think Devlin's a better centre-half than McKenna. Just, just honest, I know it might sound a bit daft, but I've always felt that he looked like a proper... A proper top player. Um, but yeah, I've yeah, started early in the podcast this season, didn't they? Other fans have said the same. I'd, I think I think McKenna, when he's attacking the ball head on, does. I think he's fine. But it's those little things, you know, the little runs in behind. And sometimes I feel he, he kind of switches off against the, the goal they lost at the weekend. He was kind of pushing up at a time where, you know, for me, I think you've got to be anticipating the fact that. Mm-hmm. You're not clear of the danger of whatever. I just I think Devlin just looks looks like he could be a super super player. Again, McKenna's still a young boy, I suppose. Still learning. The one thing about Devlin is you hope eventually he gets over his injury problems because if he does, obviously he was on the in the Scotland squad. He's a leader. He's a natural leader. Um, really composed. I mean, maybe just now and. Maybe we get a bit overexcited, but definitely McKenna's as close as what we've had to McLeish and Miller for a long time. Mm-hmm. They complement each other so well. It's just a shame that the two of them have only um, started eight games together and two of those were in Europe, um, because it's just been stop-start for the two of them with much of injuries, suspensions, um, unjustified suspensions in uh, Devlin's case. Um, and <laughs> but and then Devlin was, getting injured just before the Scot- on Scotland duty. Um, but I, I mean, I think that's probably why we're looking at the two of them. One to replace McKenna, because um, he'll go probably end of season I would think um, and the other one maybe add his bit of cover if uh, you know for Devlin because Devlin is prone to a bit of injuries and we can't rely on constantly being a squad player um, going forward because his best days are getting behind him What about the big ginger guy that you had at the back Reynolds was it? Does he still? He just, he's just back to injury right, He's okay. out of contract though I think he'll move on in the season he's not getting a lot of game time right. He'll go back to Marabell could possibly, aye. That seems to be the, the window of people returning, doesn't it? So, who knows what will happen at the end of the season. I've seen that we were certainly looking at Craig Bryson of his contract. It doesn't look as if he's wanting to stay in down south. And he's always was he not like the Rangers? Um, yeah, he was. Um, he's always maintained that if he came back up the road, um, Kilmarnock would be the team he would, he would kind of finish with. Having said that, Naismith said something similar. Um, I think with the plastic park down there, we're going to struggle to get some of these guys back, especially at 32, 33 or whatever age they'll be when they when they come back up the road. It's probably not the best for me. Or the reason to get the pitch changed? Well, when you see the price of Celtic, paid was it one and a half million? Uh, Hearts paid... Was it around a million pounds anyway for their hybrid park? The problem we've got just now is although we want to go to grass, um, there's a lot of work needing done to bed a grass park or even a hybrid park because it's been, you know, kind of brought up to put down this plastic turf. So it's not as easy to it's easier to go from grass to to plastic than it is to go from plastic to to grass, and I think that's a huge huge job, a lot of money and a lot of time uh, to bed in a park properly. So I know we're looking to change the park at the end of the season. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a an upgraded version of some kind of turf. To be honest, I, I can't see it's going to grass. I just can't see it. I mean, I know there's been the debate as to whether Plastic Park should be in the top flight, um, but 
Um, I mean, certainly when people bring up the injury thing, I, think, I just think that's a, a weak debate when you consider some injuries that happen in grass parts. Of um, course, I of think. course. So, at the end of the day, see, as long as it's um, you know FIFA approved and all the rest of it, then I don't see the issue personally. Um, yeah, you'd rather play in a grass part, but then the day clubs have got to do what's right for them and bring an in income. And John, that's another reason about Greg Stewart. Greg Stewart playing on a park like that, a sticky park, that um, when it's dry, it's very sticky. It actually suits somebody's style of play who's maybe not as quick or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's At times, the ball, the way the ball bounces and things, it's very, very odd. Now, I've been on the park and it's considerably better than your 4G parks that you'll see down at, obviously, Palace Grounds or at your Broadwoods or things. But it really, really isn't good enough for top-flight football. I'd love to see it gone. I don't know what commercial stuff it brings in for the club, there was talk of it being being good for us um, but the only people that are trading on it, because you can't rent it, is the ladies team, the kids and the, and the first team so if the commercial revenue or whatever that it brings in is purely that we're not paying for training facilities it's it's pretty weak to only have that to save yourself if you're renting out Tory Glen for you know, a few hours it's, it's not worth it You need to get Broad Street back from our gig Mm. Well, that's it. It was it was supposed to be for concerts and things, but we've had more concerts when we had a grass park than we have had since we put the plastic park down. Um, so I'm I'm not really sure what the deal is with it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, moving on, perhaps. Obviously, they got Ryan Gold finally after the talk that he was going to sign on loan and a good early start for him. Elgin, though, a favourable tie certainly at home. Yeah. Again, it's one of those ones. Hibs won four 0 Some fans would have said it should have been six or seven. Um, but Gold looked pretty good for his first game back. You know, a good assist for um, the first goal. And you know, the more minutes he gets under his belt, I think he'll be a very good um, player for Hibs um, between now and the end of the season. Um, but yeah, job done for them and uh, got a nice wee home tie against the uh, Wraith Rovers. And they'll look for some form of revenge because Wraith Rovers put them out in 2014 and. That actually started Hibs going down under Terry Butcher. Um, but Wraith got a good win, you know, 3-0 against them. took advantage of the one-man advantage they had. And, yeah. Lewis von Hartrick. Yep. They've also good hat trick, right, good hat-trick as well. And the diving header. Diving header. Diving header. Yeah. I see they've also signed, is it Omienga or whatever it his name was from, from Genoa as a midfielder. And if they were to get Scott Allen in in this window... Rather than wait until the end of the season, if you've got Malin, Scott Allen, Ryan Gold, etc., in the middle of the park, um, pretty impressive going forward. I don't know how good they'll be at the back, right enough, if, with all these attacking options that they've got. But certainly, it'd be great football to go and watch. I've always thought Hibs were, were superb to watch. Yeah, they flattered us a wee bit though. They are great going forward, but back the way, it's it's a very big, very, very different ball game. Aye. They've also got issues in attack just now because a lot like Canberra especially hasn't been firing all cylinders. Though he got one, did he get two at the weekend or just was it the one he, he got? The first one. Uh, yeah, that's a penalty. Penalty. Yeah, penalty. Yeah, penalty. Yeah, so Marlon's goals dried up a wee bit as well, but he scored obviously at the weekend because he scored the second penalty. Horgan mm-hmm. um, got two. He looks a player when he's. I, I like Horgan. I, 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 I like Horgan. Like yeah. Uh, Passed it Thistle. Won a game. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, that was the shock of the round, probably. Aye. Aye. <laughs> Joe Carter was a good signing. I haven't touched on that last week, but or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially could be. Um, a tough time in action going to East Fife who put out um, high division opposition in Morton and Thistle lost to, to East Fife in the Challenge Cup early in the season so that'll be tough but just need to wait and see if their signings bed in between now and then cause they yeah. to, the Cup could be a good, I mean we talk about the Cup being a good confidence booster um, you know it could help St Burns season it could also help Partex because they're obviously in a sticky position and if they can get some a good cup run and take that into their league campaign it might be a good level yeah well my mate that supports Morton he says that that's him he's, he's, he's done with football after the, the weekend <laughs> uh, he, he's five in the cup yeah. oh dear yeah, yeah. he's five uh, did they put in black and gold as well no they put what sorry he's five it's in black yeah, and gold. I think it's a gold colour anyway. They played Aloha the previous week, didn't they? Black and gold as well. So, yeah, I, I was hoping. When, uh, obviously, Tarwood won. I was hoping for that, a team from the, the lower leagues as opposed to the, the top end. Most people aren't Rangers or Celtic or something like that. But. Yeah, I think that's obviously the money man that want them. Um, and some players might want the dream. Like Sean spoke last week about his dream of playing at Ibrox. Um He would have. Like that, but I think the ma- you know the manager always wants like some like East Fife at home would have been maybe a good one or um, That's something awesome. like that. Yeah, that's really been good because you had Chris Doolan going back. Um, mm-hmm. Played for Talbot, but then did you see obviously Hearts yesterday? The the Wilsons were on the Wilson brothers that play for Talbot. They just <laughs> rocked, rocked up and basically their normal gear, whereas Michael Stewart and what's his who else is on? Oh, Kenny okay, Miller were obviously in their, their best jackets. Uh, <laughs> because that obviously, I mean, pretty much the whole squad was out on Saturday. And, I mean, I was in a bad bad way. They would all be in a, a bad way as well because they wouldn't have had to pay for a drink all night. They would never need to pay for a drink again, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, fair play for them for getting through and through. Um, they were a good banter as well. Enjoyed it. They were in Celtic, didn't they? I think. I think. Maybe both of our Celtic fans. Um, I'd have been quite happy to have to have got Talbot in the next round, not because of the difference in, in leagues or anything like that. Just again, because it's Ayrshire, and I think it to be a, a cracking. You know, it's going to be a, a big crowd down there. And, it would have, you know, galvanised people in the area, so I was quite yeah. disappointed yeah. that we never got another Ayrshire one out of it. See, I'd like to hold tight as well. I just think if he, any team uh, and you're, you're coming to beach, would they wouldn't fancy it. I think the problem would have been if they'd got, if it had been the likes of Rangers or Celtic or Hearts or something like that, team with big support that it'd probably get switched to the park. Yeah, I think for, ta- I think for Talbot, it was either going to be a winnable home tie um, or... You know, a big money away tie like the one they've got. Had they got um, something like Inverness away, um, a club that doesn't get many um, supporters, like what East Kilbride got, it's a bit of a demoralising one. So I think, um, you know, they've got one of what they they, they would have wanted. We've had a different team, though, because we've had hearts already, but Chanford Avenge. Yeah. That's the way the, if a TV takes it, that's the way it needs to be built up in terms of 
of that. And even uh, Austin McPhee, I think, touched on it yesterday at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hearts went on to win the cup, and it was the Talbot game was the most difficult game they had in the run. Yeah. Hearts will not win any cups this year. I can't see it, no. <laughs> no. no, I think they'll be doing well to stay in the top six, to be honest. That's, that's just my kind of thoughts on it. I don't know. I think they'll probably do enough to stay in the top six. Um, but, yeah, I don't see them uh, winning the cup. Um, I don't I don't know who will win it. I mean, Celtic are obviously rightly favourites going for this treble treble. But, you know, there's a, anyone, you never know who can win it. Um, but I don't think it'll be Hearts this year. The only game maybe we never touched on much was uh, Dundee United won four and a half and throws. Yeah. Saturday. Saturday, you, you mentioned that for this play, 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 play. Yeah. I speaking about the TV because obviously the, um, half the half the ties will be in TV because um, Premier Sports have two and BBC have two. Um, I think Premier Sports will probably pick up Kilmarnock versus presumably Rangers. Um, yeah. I yeah. Assume they'll get past Cowdenbeath in a rearranged game. Um, they'll probably pick up Celtic and Johnson, not because it's a standout tie, but because it's Celtic. Celtic. Yep. Um, and I think. BBC will probably go with uh, Ross County and Inverness because it's a Highland Derby. And then probably it'll either be, I would think it'll be Hearts Locking Lake or St Mun Dundee United because it's got that repeat of 1987 feel about it. Um, but you just never know. We'll see. We'll probably find out this or next week. Well, it needs to be quick because the game's only three weeks away. Well, less than three weeks away now. Yeah. 9th and 10th, well, I take up by the 8th, 9th and 10th, because I take it they're sticking with the Friday night or are they not? Well, we never even mentioned that, the, the fact that Kieran Beek Rangers game get pulled off with about, what, an hour to go? About two hours to go, it was uh, just before five o'clock and the game was due to kick off at quarter to eight, but Kieran Beek were not the least bit ha- happy, because I listened to Sports Sound on the way to football on Friday night and Gary Boland says, um, you know, this is about half six, and it says the temperature's risen and it started to thaw out a bit. Um, and it was only one little area, um, and the chairman was on saying that, you know, everything was going according to plan. And then all of a sudden, um, the SFA called in the referee, and it wasn't even Craig Thompson; it was a local referee, and deemed it unplayable. Um, I know, Kit, the game, the replay game will be still shown in Premier Sports, so they'll still get their TV revenue, etc, but I think they've lost it in terms of like, the hospitality that they'd sold for the game, oh, yeah, because it was a Friday night, and oh. a lot of the players still have to get time off for that game as well. well you, you're also, trying to get that car off the pitch as well. well you're, also, you're also getting food and things in, so any time a game's off, any of that food or everything just goes down to, you know, it just goes down to wastage. Mm-hmm. So if it's two hours before, I don't understand as well how Rangers had a, a friendly game planned. Was it yeah. the day later? That just seems really Sunday. bizarre. Aye, yesterday I. Aye, like why would you arrange before you're playing on a Wednesday night, have a game on a Saturday, then playing a game on a Sunday? It just seemed really, really odd that the game was off, and then the next thing I know, Rangers are playing a friendly game. I, Really very, very bizarre. bizarre. Um, and yeah. a shame for them as well, Aye, definitely. But um you just imagine they'll they'll announce the, the live games as Kilmarnock versus Kenbeath or Rangers, um, assuming it's Rangers that's going to go through and then Kenbeath spray up one of the biggest cups upsets there ever will be if that was to happen and they'd have to stick with Kilmarnock v Kenbeath. <laughs> <laughs> Battle of the the top sides and uh, yeah, <laughs> I think um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, but when uh, when Kamarnock got promoted from the old second division to the old first division, did they not beat Cowdenbeath in the last day of the season to go up? My mind's gone blank. I'm beginning to think it was maybe an East Drive or something. I can't. Honestly, my mind is an absolute blank. You've got to remember how long ago that was. Yeah, 1990, I think it was. I, I just remember, you know, it was my first year in football and it was on Scott Sport and they showed that game. But I can't remember. It, for some reason, I think it was Cowdenbeath. Um, just something that kept my mind. Because obviously, we're talking about Kilmarnock because you're on its 150th anniversary and. We did the tweet a couple of weeks ago and um, there was a few moments that were shared. You put your best team and <laughs> I think it's changed since you and I last spoke um, before the Aberdeen game last March. How did, did I put in it again? <laughs> well, Broadfoot's come into the team. I can't remember who you took out for him, but Broadfoot made was, it in. Was it Broadfoot and Dindaloo's my centre half? Yes. Uh, Gary Hay at left back. Mm-hmm. Stephen O'Donnell right back. Alan Coombe, I think, had probably gone in goals. Yeah. Then Gary Holt, Eremenko, Durant, and Ali Mitchell, Paul Wright, and Chris Boyd. Uh, you had Craig Bryce in midfield. You just went with Eremenko and Wright up front. Oh, did I? Yeah, according to your tweet. <laughs> I can't remember. It, it was a couple of weeks ago, to be fair. <laughs> it's, it's weird, because I remember putting that up, and then afterwards thinking, do you know, I've missed, I've missed you know, Andy McLaren. And then, you, and then you start to, to go down it and go, oh, I've dropped McGowan for Broadfoot, can I really have... And you end up... There's some people there that are just absolute stick-ons, guys like Durant and, and Eremenko are just two of the best footballers that I've, that I've seen at the club. Um, so, yeah, Paul Wright was always a good one as well. He always liked to go into gym late and, uh, usually from about 35 yards, which was, which was always good to see. But... Um, what about, uh, was it the Yugoslavian keeper you had as well? Lekovic. Yeah. Aye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, uh, he was bonkers. You know, he was either brilliant, like made saves that he just should never ever have made, and then he was just prone to wandering off his line, you know, just to coming up across balls eighteen and eighteen yard line and stuff. It was, <laughs> he was mental. Um, yeah. We've always been, even guys like Gordon Marshall. Uh, Cammy Bell and things We've going back even to like Bobby Geddes we've always had like really really good goalkeepers um, I mean we've got Jamie McDonald sitting in the bench just now really and he's a pretty decent keeper but um, yeah we've always been quite quite blessed with a with a decent keeper yeah um, Rob Campbell on Twitter um, mentioned one of his favourite moments was Lekovic's save against uh, Dundee United in 1987 Scottish Cup semi-final Um is one of his is one of his favourites. There's also people mentioned the 2012 Cup final, the 1997 Scottish Cup final. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, and one of the most unusual ones was someone called Kyle Jenkins put in uh, Inverness in the Scottish Cup in January. Snow up um, to her ankles. Boy jumped off the bus on the A9 for a slash and disappeared into snow. <laughs> <laughs> Did they ever find him again? Is he still well, that, there? we don't know. <laughs> He could well be still walking back down as we as we speak. <laughs> uh, it's, always, it's always good some of the memories that you've got, you know, following your teams. You'll have some cracking memories too. We've had some good ones as well, even following Scotland as, as well at this, you know, Scotland England game at Hampden Park a couple of years back. So yeah, some crackers. Mm-hmm. So last week as well, they had the meeting, the referees and the, the managers. 
to try and get things going forward in terms of how they can improve things in the VAR. I think the only two that weren't at it were Steve Clark and Martin Cannon, I think. Yes. Steve Clark. Um, he had something on already. Uh, he was he was not going to go. He's, he's frightened to say something, and Martin Cannon wasn't given directions to where they were meeting, so I think that's the two reasons that they weren't there. Um, I was surprised it wasn't that, that they, uh, they didn't Martin show Martin not get um, Martin Cannon not get sat enough? Uh, who knows? Who knows? He could have just stayed at Perth for the week. <laughs> that's all I was aware with Hamilton playing the cup. Uh, um, uh, uh, anything that can improve because the refereeing decisions this season are as bad as I can ever remember in following football almost every single decision um, seems to be wrong and when they have the opportunity to correct their decisions I just, it baffles me mm-hmm. and, and the whole thing, you can get into the ins and outs, so should Morelos have been red carded in the first game of the season or, or whatever else, my opinion is if he kicks someone off the ball, whether it's aggressive or, or you know it could cause serious it doesn't really matter it's a red card but you see when you rescind yes. that red card you set the precedence for the whole season and then what happened was there was a combination of just incidents where people were getting sent off and when it went back to to review everyone's going no no that's that's definitely a red and it just doesn't make any sense i understand people make mistakes but Goodness, you talked about the boy at Aberdeen that gets sent off. Was it was it Devlin that gets sent off? Yeah, it was Devlin against Kilmarnock. Yeah, was a red card that got upheld. Osgood as well. Sent off against Rangers. Dicker yep. got Dicker got sent off. It wasn't rescinded. But the one with um, the Aberdeen player that never got rescinded. I could not believe that was not rescinded. Could mm-hmm. I couldn't get my head around it. Uh, yeah. It was it was baffling. But you think about the, the you know, you mentioned Kilmarnock, the game with Kilmarnock and um, Hamilton where Greg Stewart and Daddy McKinnon had their yellow cards upgraded to red. Um, but yeah, Morelos um, didn't yeah. get anything any further yeah, action that, taken. Yeah, that, that was the thing. When the SFA sent that tweet out last week and said that if the referee has seen the incident and he's decided that there's no action to be taken, then there's nothing we can do. Literally goes against what they have done this season. McKinnon upgraded to a red, Greg Stewart upgraded to a red. Um, I, it just it just doesn't make sense. What they're saying, what they're, tweet, what they're tweeting is nonsense. It's like listening to Donald Trump. It's just a collection of words that are put out there, which you know is just, you know it's just lies. Um, and that's the part I couldn't care less about this as long as they're consistent. See, just be consistent. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. At least if I had a meeting. And I suppose the meeting's mm-hmm. gone fairly well, so yeah. well, maybe they keep having these meetings, because we did, that's what something we mentioned was a few weeks ago, saying they need to all get down and talk to each other, and that's what they've done. Supposedly the, the old Lennon saying that the compliance officer, that Claire White, was impressive, and stuff like that, and it, I think as well, McInnes came out and said, yeah, okay, I, we have criticised referees, but we do understand they've got a tough job. I mean, no way I would do that job. Mm-hmm. You pay a fortune to get that, to do a referee's job. To be, I mean, I'll give Neil Lennon his um, credit where he deserves it because I mean, he's obviously one that slaughters the referees left, right, and centre. Um, and at times he's overstepped the mark, but he's probably known himself at times he oversteps it. But to be fair, he's um, come out and you know hammered into people for um, sending threats to John Beaton, etc. So he's obviously mellowed a bit, and it's good that he seems to be the leader of all this. Um, you know, these talks that are going on just now. So, you know, fair play. Um, 
credit where it's due to Mr Lennon on this occasion. I did see um, at the weekend that the one main contentious decision of all the Scottish Cup ties was um, a disallowed goal for Scott Sinclair. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a mile, he's a mile on side. Um, I mean, it's a terrible decision. Luckily, on that occasion, Celtic's two up in a game that they're coasting. It doesn't really affect the scoreline. Another thing it affects is Scott Sinclair getting a match ball. Um, but of course, you get the edits afterwards who are saying, um, you know, operation stop ten in a row in a Scottish Cup tie <laughs> between Celtic and a League One side. Mm, okay. <laughs> But they're of a minority. I don't think for one minute there's a conspiracy. I I, I genuinely don't. I'm not in the opinion that they're all Rangers fans or Celtic fans. I just think they're poor. Um, I agree. I I don't think that somebody goes into a game as a referee, same as you wouldn't as a footballer. You don't go into a game and then win a decision and and then just decide to award penalties. They're not going to do that or whatever. So it's just human error. But there seems to be too, too many errors just now for my liking. I agree. We never really like, touched on Celtic too much, but I, way out obviously, scoring, got sharp, and then Ollie Burke started up front. Against mm-hmm. Airdrie. Come yeah. to a win, though. Yeah. I thought the Airdrie was excellent. Was excellent. Mm-hmm. He made some unbelievable saves, to be honest. So did Scott Bain, to be fair. He made a, I can't remember if it was three or four saves in the one. Yeah, no, but the first save he made was absolutely sensational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started a lot of people saying should Scott be in being the team ahead of Craig Gordon. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Answers that one. <laughs> Did you see the? I know it's not Scottish, but why? But I had to mention it because I think it's funny. James Milner getting sent off by his old PE teacher. <laughs> Heard about that? That's superb, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool's doing well. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see them win the league. Yeah. That'd be good. Good to see a, a change. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Um. We must say anything. There was a few, a, bit, a wee bit of lowly guards in winter. Was there? I think Edinburgh City won a game. But... City. I think the only thing that's missing is actually just talking about, say, the signings, some of the signings that have been there. Have yeah, I'm assuming you guys have already spoken about the business that Rangers have done this. Ah, uh, we've mentioned that. Uh, I, I think getting Stephen Davis back is, is superb. And I'd imagine that the, the striking options now are absolutely fantastic, some of the players they've got. I'm not looking forward to Wednesday night. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think... I think that's been been quite a quite an interesting window so far. Yeah, it's probably the most. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still think some teams will do business between now and the end of the window. I don't think there'll be too much at um, both Celtic and Rangers. You know, they did a lot of their business early on. Although I see um, Celtic have been linked heavily with Scott McTominay, who signed a new deal with Man United um, on loan. Does Celtic need another midfield player? <laughs> Sponkers. Well, I think he's more defensive-minded, so maybe. Because they do, they've not got much cover for Brown. I know Beyond's just back, but... It's, it's Wingers that's the problem. He's like Arsene Wenger, um, Rogers just now. He just seems to collect um, these attack-minded midfielders. I think they needed a, a proper striker and definitely needed a, a right-back and a centre-half. 
and I'm astounded when I seen that it was Ollie Burke and whatever else. And then guys like Lewis Morgan, who they signed last season, talk of him going out and loan, talk that Johnny Hayes could go out, Malumbu going out. Um, it just seems bizarre, some of the signings that are going on there. I, I don't really understand what the thinking is behind having so many attacking options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is they've got to prepare for the... Champions League next season, presuming that they do uh, win the league, and there's a long way to go. There's a, a four-horse race at the moment, as things stand, and that shouldn't be forgotten about. But um, you know, from Celtic's point of view, if they're serious about being prepared for next year in Europe, I'm quite surprised if not sorted out the problem positions. And with Boyata going, they need to get a centre half. Um, there's been a lot of talk about McKenna, although it turned out that. When he was in Glasgow, he was actually there to go to Heart Radio and speak to Paul Harper, for my, a fellow Aberdeen supporter. Aye. And then got to Celtic. That was quite funny. The happy link bar right back, Porto. Uh, sorry, from Porto. Yeah. I called from Seca. I can't say anything about him or whether he's, he's played much, but I've seen that today. Uh-huh. I mean, they've still got, they were going to Jack Henry who's not been impressive there. I still think he'd be excellent for most Scottish Premier League teams out with the kind of pressure that comes with Celtic. Talk of him going out and loan, and is it Comper or whatever they signed? I think he's played one game. There's talk that he's free to leave. Half a game. Is it half a game? Yeah, he played 45 minutes against Morton in the Scottish Cup, and he's not been seen since. I think they took a picture of him on training um, when they were in Dubai, just to remind people he still exists. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I just I think it's bizarre. I think if Rangers increasing their firepower, um, I, I didn't really think they needed to increase it as as much as they have done. But I did think mid middle of the park they were lacking creativity. For Celtic, it's always been about sorting out what's at the back and needing another option. If Lee Griffiths, do we have any idea when he's back? Is he? He's, he's been a bit cryptic about it because um, he's been saying a couple of tweets saying can't wait to um, get my hands in these, more, create more of these memories and talk about come back into training. So um, we just we don't know, um, but whenever it's right for him, you know, best of luck to him. Aye, because um, if you're going into second half of the season though, and it's Timothy Weir um, and the big French French Eddie up front, it's not really you're not really leaving yourself many options. Well, they've got bio. Oh, of name? course, of course, I forgot yeah. about him. Yeah, and he, he maybe sees Buck as a striker. I had said that a couple of weeks ago that he can play up front as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And where they've got four strikers now. Yeah. Five, including Clifford. Livingston got Martin Hardy back on loan for Rangers, and that's good because he was obviously starting to hit form when Rangers took him yeah. for a wee holiday to Tenerife and. Send a new contract and send him back in Livingston. But I think that's good for all parties and give Hardy more of an opportunity to do well in the, the top flight because he's shown he can he can score goals at this level. Yeah, good move. Good move for all, as you said. Mm-hmm. But I like to Peter Head at top of the league because Edinburgh City lost at the weekend. Peter Head won. So Peter Head are top, I give in hand. Yeah. 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 Three games in that league, I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's an, that's another interesting league, and Clyde are only five behind. Um, 
game in hand in Edinburgh City, but played the same amount as Peterhead, so that'll be an interesting three-way battle at the top. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was going to say something there, but I'll bite my tongue. <laughs> for, for once. For once. <laughs> Aye. You've intrigued, it's more intriguing now that you've said that. Yeah, three ways and all that. Everyone likes a three way. You had to lower the tone. Well, I. No. Did I start? To be fair, it's taken an hour and eighteen minutes to get to this point. Usually, it takes about eighteen seconds for some um, for him and Chris to lower the tone. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. Aye. Want to be my best behaviour and can't believe it's it's not me that's lowered this tone. So. You sound disappointed. I'm slightly disappointed, yes. <laughs> it's because Chris likes to listen back and listen out for the the, the bit of cheat. <laughs> it's always something. And Chris would be, Chris would be giggling. Yeah. You'll notice from, if you look back at some of the titles that we've had, um, they are a bit random and a lot of them do stem from random in, in, innuendos, shall we say. Yes. <laughs> Kelly Brooks, Lady Garden, still quite possibly <laughs> up there the best. Oh, oh, that, that was a classic. I would think someone was having palpitations there. Not at all, not at all. Uh, <laughs> why? It's good having you on, Aldo. Yeah, I appreciate being being asked on, guys. Enjoyed it, thank you. I feel I feel that talking about Greg Stewart and John Jones have gone out my system now. A therapy session. I do. I feel I can sleep now at night. So so that's been good. <laughs> Greg Stewart therapy. There's your that's, title. That's it. I would. It also could be Talbot flying over there. Well, yeah. that's that's always a good thing. Always as well. And Kelly fans going to enjoy that as well. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You're right in what you're saying. There was a lot of Kelly fans actually put their coupons up in kickbacks and a lot of them had taken uh, Talbot for that game as well. Um, so it was, as I said, it was great to see. Although part of me, again, you're, you're always hoping that you, you maybe draw air or something in the next round of the cup, but I was delighted to see see can like get through. If they beat Hearts, then I'll, I'll probably not be seen for about three days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rightly so. Rightly so. It's a holiday weekend as well. Oh, oh, much better. So I've uh, seen I've seen fans mention that they've they've already bloody booked holidays and no matter. Uh, so. Well, they've got a chance. They've got a chance. Um, stop Stephen Naismith, and you might. I know it's easier said than done, but if you stop Naismith, I think Hearts are a bit toothless. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's always a chance. I don't know if there'll be. I don't know what. I'd be interested to see what odds are that much. Fourteen was the was the average price on the on Saturday. But you think again away to the Premiership competition, you'd be even longer odds. But I don't. I don't know. Oh, I think uh, it'll be big, big odds for that. Certainly worth sticking, you know, a spare tenner on it anyway. Uh, I, I regret not doing it on Saturday because, as I say, it would have paid my day out. My day out. Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yes. Yes. So I. Anything else we need to cover? Or I think we've probably covered it. I think that's all. Um, all I'll say is, um, yeah. Good luck in the uh, Wednesday, Alan. Um, mm. Or Aldo, sorry, but um, not on Saturday because you obviously play us. And 
hope Greg Stewart rams one in the top corner. Aye, I hope. <laughs> oh, in fact, I'm not even going to say what I hope happens. Right? No, I'm not. I've managed to last this long, and I'm. No, go for it. Go for it. No, I'm you, not you, doing it. I've, I've aye, made no. a promise. I made a promise to myself. No, no. If you're going to be part of the podcast team, you need to just say it. No, I was just saying that I was hoping that uh, Alan Power rams his foot up Greg Stewart's ass. To be honest. <laughs> uh, and if, feel free to, if Kelly's winning or something, to have you know a few kicks at Jordan Jones. That's that's fair game. Fair game. <laughs> fair enough. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. We'll send this to Steve Clark and um, he'll have a word with you and don't, he'll change your tone. Please don't send it to Steve Clark. <laughs> Back <laughs> in the stadium. Don't tell Steve I said that. <laughs> You did though. You did though. Say he was a second coming. He's yes, I did. I did. He is. Mm-hmm. He is the man. What he says goes. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate that. Cheers, Aldo. Cheers, 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 John. Cheers, John. Cheers. Cheers.